Welcome to the Pet Industry Podcast, connecting you with the people behind the passion, the leading experts in the pet industry. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Sprinkle. And I'm your other host, Dr. Mary Cope. Did you know that there is a pet industry trade organization that endeavors to ensure a better future for people and pets and spends a great deal of time and money working to protect your rights as pet parents? You probably don't have the opportunity to see behind the scenes of the pet industry, but this podcast is about making that connection. Let us introduce you to Vic Mason. Vic Mason became president of the World Pet Association in 2020, bringing 40 years of experience in the pet space, including CEO and founder of a pet food company, Replenish Pet, and past director of business development for Veterinary Service, Inc., a West Coast animal health product distributor. Mason has served as a WPA board member since 2010 and was the chairman before taking role as president. Vic is on a mission to unite the pet industry under a pet, family-centered focus. We got to have this conversation with Vic at SuperZoo, which is the most attended pet industry trade show in North America, established by the World Pet Association in 1950 as an annual gathering place for the entire industry to connect, learn, and do business. We will put links in the description for more information, as well as a link to an article on our website so you can see some pictures of the show and the new logo. Now, on to the conversation. This is SuperZoo 2023. What has been your favorite part so far? Without question, our new logo. We've had the same logo for over 20 years, and the new logo is amazing. I had a smart, small piece in it. Our marketing team did an amazing job. My small piece was we have five, five animals in the, the logo. And I said, we need to add in a couple more. And then they made a vid- video. I hope you saw it. it. It was amazing. This is for sure my favorite part. It was a little bit of a surprise. I did not realize that the logo was changing because it still had the traditional one with all the it, online. And then I, I also thought the same thing. I walked up to register and I saw it and I was, I loved it. So I agree. Having a 30-foot TV, uh, and we got that from Mandalay Bay, and that also made it even more amazing. Any other thing you've really enjoyed with this show? I started right before the pandemic, and certainly the pandemic closed our show in 2020. So just my favorite part was just seeing the energy, the number of people that came back. We're definitely back pre-pandemic. All the numbers show that. I can't count the number of exhibitors, brands that came to me that said, Vic, this was the most amazing super zoo ever. That makes me feel good. Oh, and you're right. You must have been booked out because we had somebody tell us that they went their traditional time to go register for the show and it was already sold out. So you had some sad people. <laughs> this is the downside of success. Everybody couldn't fit in. And it, so that was a bummer. But we did create a lot of FOMO and people are certainly registering for next year. Yep. Very good. You started talking about you starting before the pandemic. So let's back up a little bit. How did you even get into the pet industry? And then how did you get involved with associations? I think even when you're part of an industry, sometimes these associations can feel a little mysterious. So what is your story? They are 100% mysterious. (laughs) I'll just say that. That's fun. I actually started in my uncle's pet store when I was in high school. And one of my jokes or things I like to say is I know the industry from the bottom up. 
So as a 16-year-old working in a pet store, my job was to clean up after the animals. So that's why I say that. And why I got on the board, I had had a long career in the pet industry, over 40 years. And I, it really was a thought to give back. I was on a, a successful career and to how, what can I do to give back? I came to a super zoo and made the mistake, or maybe it wasn't a mistake, of giving suggestions of how to make the show better to one of the staff. And they go, perhaps you should be on the board. So that's how that started. Yeah, you accidentally volunteered. Yes. <laughs> so do you mind sharing a little bit about your adventure through the pet industry? And uh, You talked about that you've had several decades of experience, so... Wow, that would, how long is this? Because uh, that could take a long time. Like the Cliff Notes version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it started in retail. Had a long time in retail, learned about many products, learned about how to care properly for animals, many different animals, some that aren't always nice. I remember I used a welder's glove and let a, a type of lizard grab onto it so I could get out of its cage. And when I was 24, 24 years old, I started my own distribution company. And I think it was because everybody said I couldn't. So that drove me to want to do that kind of a specialized trade. It was a veterinary products into the, uh, into the retail trade. And it really got me to learn how products get to market. Certainly back in those days, how products got to market are different than today. There's many brands out there now that can sell direct to consumer. Back then it was more two-step distribution where you would sell to distributor, distributor sold to the retailer. And then that, that product was available to a consumer for them going into a pet store. So distribution, that I owned a company, then I worked for a large distributor for 20 years, met many people. I think I, I met more contacts were there. One, at one point, we had 1,000 brands that we were dealing with. Many times you, you say, hey, how's it going? Because you don't remember their name. It's a funny thing. But <laughs> So that's why we have badges at trade shows, because we can look down and look at that name. Yes, I've used that many times. <laughs> and every, I think it's a big little industry. I'm walking around with even my colleagues and they know everyone. So even with me being in the industry only a few years, it's like pet specific, vet background, a little bit different. But there's a lot of connections and that's nice. It, it, that is absolutely true. And back to the point of why I wanted to give back is all the people you deal with, they're your family. You can call them work family or whatever else. Where we all have love for pets. And I think that that love just transcends to all the people that we deal with. And we all have the same outlook of what's going on. And I love being able to bring that spirit into a larger organization like the World Pet Association. So do you mind sharing a little bit about WPA and what is it? Why does it exist? The easy way to say that we're a nonprofit organization. We have uh, from anywhere from 12 to 16 board members. They're not paid. So they're really trying to help the industry. So we put on this amazing show, Super Zoo. And in, in a business world, it does make, bring in some money. We take that money and try to do good works back to the industry. It, it may be an advocacy where we go to Washington, D.C., give information to help lawmakers create laws that will help pets. Unfortunately, there's some out there that want to create laws that prevent people from having pets. We're, we're on that other side of, we, we believe that people should have pets, that human-animal bond really helps people. We can go into some of the good works that, that we do, but it's, re it's really that simple. We, we make money from a trade show, and we try to take that money to help the industry and help pets. 
I think that kind of starts answering the next question I had and how does the WPA impact pet families, but anything else that might impact pet families that you do with the WPA? There's Again, there's always two sides to this. There's the business side and then there's the, the life side. And we were working with many companies, but the end goal is really to help pets and help people. It sounds so simplistic. And of course, there's lots of barriers that get in the way that uh, to get to that point. But it's really that simple. One of the one of my favorite programs is it's called HABRI. It's called the Human Animal Bond Institute Research Institute. And really all they do is do studies on how pets help people. And recently they came out with a study of how much a person would save in medical bills if they had a pet, which is amazing. So when you go, and I'm sorry, I don't have the stats with me, but if you would save over your lifetime tens of thousands of dollars if you have a pet because you'll be happier, and it, which makes you more healthy. It sounds like the primary funding for the WPA is SuperZoo, which is a massive trade show. There's how many people attend? 20,000? We This year we had over 21,000 people that registered. Yeah, it's an it's absolutely enormous. And so when COVID hit, obviously with the laws that were put into place for distancing and limiting social gatherings, we couldn't have SuperZoo in 2020. But yet three years later, SuperZoo is now bigger and better than ever. Can you share with us how you did that and take me through that journey? It was difficult. I started in in this position in January of 2020 and, and had visions of how we would go forward, et cetera. And just a few months in, into that, COVID started. We actually had to stop one of our shows, other shows that we do. It's a grooming show in Atlanta, and it's a three-day show. And the third day, we had to cancel because of COVID. Of course, everybody then thought it was a going to be a couple-week thing. Two weeks to Not, flatten the curve. Two, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it it changed everybody's life. And in the again, in, in the event business for SuperZoo, that was our main income. So there was a lot of lot of hard decisions. The board was amazing through that time. We still funded all the good works that we did that year, even though we knew financially it would hurt us. I, w- I actually went to the board and go, we can do everything. It'll probably cost us $5 million. And we went through that and did that. In 2021, it was very challenging to get a, a show back started. And uh, so different from this year, but that year, the weeks leading up to it, you would wake up every morning and look at your email to see who canceled coming to the show. There was actually a very big brand that canceled the night before the show. And I wrote a very strongly e- worded email to tell them I disappointed. It, it didn't get them to come. but uh, So we really powered through in 2021 to get the show up and running. Although it was much smaller than our what we would call a normal show, we like I said, powered through and got, and we made it happen. And I think that is the reason why our show is so successful today, because that became our stepping stone of we're having a show. We want to get all our pet people together. And I think that was a really a turning point that went to get the show going in 2021 to where we are today. SuperZoo is a, a big help for the WPA as an organization, but it's also a really big opportunity for for everyone in the industry, it's, you know, I overheard that like everybody is here. 
if you need a distributor, if you want a manufacturer, like everyone is here at this show. So by not having it during COVID, I can only imagine that also impacted everyone else in the industry. So what did you see from the impact on the industry as a whole through the past few years? Absolutely true. If you're looking from the business side, the reason people come to a show, there's three main reasons. Networking being number one. And during COVID, that didn't happen. And I go back to what I said earlier. We're one giant family. And there was people you hadn't seen in years, really. So a lot of hugging. Hey, what's up? What are you, all those types of things. So networking is a big part of events. Education, which really stopped during that time. There's definitely, and we're looking into further that more education online, digital education, where not only can you come to an event and learn something, which is always the best way, but you can always 365 days a year, get online and look at a subject and learn, which I think is real important. So we're partnering with a company called FetchFind with digital education. And what it's amazing how far that has come. So you can have fun getting, sitting in front of your computer and learning all at the same time. Stores can help train their staff and brands can actually get information out directly to stores and consumers, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Many people come to trade shows just to see what's new, what products are out there that are new, that are, that they can introduce to their customers. And many people know that go, going to a pet store destination and looking what, for what that new product, maybe it's a toy, which doesn't, but it, there's many very functional products out there that, that will help their animal nutrition is a big thing that, that somebody might learn what the cutting edge of nutrition and what might be best for their animal. Since we're on this topic, have you noticed any trends this year from the show that you're seeing? In, in my past life as a, a distributor, I was certainly in, in, involved in the buying process and there's always a, a large amount of new products. This particular year, we've had over 1,000 new products in our new product showcase. And it is, it, it's for sure one of the favorite place for everybody to go. And I'll be honest, I don't know how all these inventive people think of new products, but there's always something new that's out there. And usually they happen because somebody has a pet and they're trying to solve a problem. And many of them have, to, they come up with a new product and it's always fun when somebody comes up with a new product and it has a successful business. Speaking back to what the WPA does for the industry, you have worked on some big focuses, having missions and objectives, because you as an organization are thinking about the industry as a whole, right? You're not just a single brand who's thinking about how to, how's my brand get out there and do well. So how does the WPA influence all these different brands for the better of the industry? Of course, we're neutral to the business world when somebody's competing out there, but I think from a broader point, and if you could take the food category, getting education out there to teach people what animals need. It's not that they need just a, a bowl of food and then you move on. There's many other aspects to how to care properly for an animal, whether it's grooming, nutrition, there's many things out there. So I, I think that's where we help is really making information available on how best to care for an animal. And then the business really goes out there and creates those products to, to best serve those animals. And one thing I love walking around Super Zoo for, those, for our listeners who have not ever attended, 
is when we talk about the pet industry, it's so easy to get wrapped up with just dogs and cats. But here at SuperZoo, you have products covering every kind of pet that someone could own. You have dog and cat, obviously, but then you also have exotics. You have all of your reptiles, your amphibians, your birds, your small animals. You have aquatics for like aquascaping and having planted tanks, which are obviously benefit our fish as pets to have bioactive enclosures. You have you bring in people who are educated in poultry on our backyard livestock, our small backyard farm animals as well. So I just wanted our listeners to know that when we're talking about education for pets, it it goes farther than just covering our dogs and cats, our classic, what was typically considered to be a pet animal. WPA covers everyone. That is such a good point. Dogs, when we look at the percentage of the in- industry is a large percent, but and they get all the publicity, right? But certainly we are for all of those things. And when you look at aquatics, when we look at small animal, when we look at bird, when we look at reptile, those many times are the ch- challenges that we have with certain laws that get made and, and availability of pets. Certainly we don't want evasive species getting out in, in, in the world. We don't want that. But we also want breeding practices with the many of those types of animals, which nobody knows about, where they may have trouble in the out in the real world with having husband, husbandry and being able to breed those animals in captivity really helps them. So it, it's almost sometimes that we're like a zoo, yeah. that we're, we're really learning about the animals and how best to protect them. Absolutely. If you look at the axolotl population in the wild, they are not doing well because of habitat loss and pollution and everything else, but we have a very hardy population that are captively owned and bred. And so should, you know, our environment return to a state where these animals could be reintroduced, having a strong population with a lot of genetic diversity available, not only in zoos, but kept as pets that breeders and hobbyers and fanciers keep is going to be vital for reintroduction of these species into the wild. That is so true. And we talk about businesses and yes, the businesses try to make money. So unfortunately, sometimes our industry gets a bad publicity that we're in it for the money. Trust me, I know all these people, they're in it for the animals. And it's very important to remember many of the things that we do really are research on how to help many of those species that are out there. And I think I overheard you were really advocating to make sure that we have a lot of actual animals here at the show. And I saw a baby ostrich, which uh, two of them, it was really (laughs) fun. And so why was that important to you? What do you like about having the actual animals here at the show? Actually, we really, we've always had what's called Critter Alley, which was we showcased some of the animals. And, And I go back to the, when I was younger, we would go to church on Sunday and every day we would stop at a pet store. And sure, sometimes we, we shopped and got things for our animals, but it was really look at the pond with the fish in it, look at the birds in the Avery, look at the big birds that, that they had on display. And it was a destination. So really last year, I really wanted to promote back to retail, which many have become supply only stores. I, I wanted them to be a destination again. So we set up this area to showcase non-dog and cat animals to get people to remember, for retailers to remember, to be a destination. 
there's definitely some stats out there that more people will come to your store if you have animals than if you don't. So it's, it sounds so simple for a little guy that every Sunday went to the pet store that that really what was that area was about is really just to showcase the animals because, and I don't know who said it, but not, no sale is ever made until a pet, until someone has a pet. And so it really is that simple. And once you have a pet, you just want to take care of it the best you can. Yes. And I have a theory because there is just something special about the atmosphere at SuperZoo. And my theory is that there are so many animals here. And I think that's just natural human-animal bond. It makes us happier. And there's just a happier spirit. It's funny you missed, m mentioned the ostriches because yeah. I heard about the ostriches. So I had to go see the ostriches Good. and they were amazing. And But the, our kind of live animal area, and again, it's not dogs and cats. We certainly have dogs and cats here also, but it's, it just, it reminded me back, back on every Sunday and walking around and seeing all the animals. There's a a giant tortoise that's, I don't know, they're you know, three feet long. There's amazing saltwater fish, very interesting reptiles and other animals. And it, you can get lost in there and just have a fun time just looking. Yes. And just back to that, creating an experience to make people or encourage people to come and have it. Yeah. I know for me as a pet consumer myself, I have lots of different animals, consume lots of different products. Super Zoo is also super fun for me because I get to go talk to the people who are almost like celebrities in my eyes who have worked on designing the products that I use for my animals, whether they be in aquatics or reptiles or bird or dog and cat. So that's also a super fun aspect of coming to this trade show. Believe it or not, I have fun at this trade show. I mean, you think <laughs> I've been coming for over 40 years and there's always something new and we meet new, we meet our old friends, we make new friends, but it always comes back to the animals. Now, we've been very warm and fuzzy, but there are definitely challenges in the industry. There's competition. People, yes, we love animals, but we also are trying to have a business. So there is that, an element of competition. But so what is, in your opinion, something that the WPA is trying to do to unify this industry despite some of the challenges and competition? So when I, we have multiple pet associations, certainly consumers it's a, don't see this type of thing. There's a manufacturer's association. There's a distributor's association. I went to an association of associations. There's just a, <laughs> there's, there's an association that it helps just about everything. Really one of, one of the first initiatives I took was to make sure all of the pet associations are working together. Sometimes we duplicate work. We really just want to work together to make sure that, that pets are available. Some of the advocacy things that we do. Everybody thinks that there's not enough pets. The reality is that everybody thinks there's too many dogs. The reality is there's not enough dogs. And we've, we've done some research. We've looked into this. Um, there's 8 million dogs that are needed just to replace the ones that pass away and move on. And currently there's only about three or four, three or four million that come through the registries uh, like AKC, purebred dogs. And certainly there are some mixed breed dogs out there, but the number is maybe a couple million. So really short 3 million dogs a year. Many of those dogs come from overseas, which of course we want all animals to, to have a good life, but it, that creates a lot of other problems with diseases, et cetera, with animals coming in and communicating with other countries or other organizations that are out of the country 
is important to try to get to a point where we're more in line. Their export import rules are so different in every country. So it's, it's really one of the reasons why we try to partner with other, other countries, associations to just really monitor and understand what's going on. Cause certainly that those other legislative from other countries can affect us. And we are called the World Pet Association. There we go. I was thinking about that. I was like, it is the World Pet Association. <laughs> so sometimes our industry complains that legislative make rules that don't help us. But there is a so some legislative coming in with, to make better rules of animals coming into the country. Obviously, we just lived through this giant pandemic. We certainly don't want a dog coming in from another country that brings in other diseases, et cetera. It's a challenging world out there. And, and again, sometimes the pet industry gets accused of only doing things to make money. And certainly World Pet Association wants to make partnerships with whatever we can to make every pet's life better. So you've talked a lot about how WPA is supporting the industry. How can the industry get more involved and help with these efforts? That's a that's also a very good question. I I got into helping or get into the association World Pet and because I wanted to give back just because it, the industry had given me a good life. If we as we improve and get our message out there better, we actually this year instituted a new program to to get outside people from our board onto committees, etc. And it just gives us more information to better serve everybody. So that that's one initiative that we did. But it let's say it's when you look at the market with there's brands, there's distributors, there's retailers, the piece that's hard for us to communicate to is really the consumer at large. Marketing is very expensive. Some of the groups, you know, that in reality, don't want anybody to have a pet, have giant war chests. They put TV ads up with somebody crying and a, and a sad dog. Many people give money to them and don't realize they're, what they're supporting is a group that doesn't want anybody to have an animal. So really the, what we'd like to do for the future is be able to communicate better and give, that, give our message to the end user and consumers. Now... I know we've talked about a lot about other people's pets and how passionate you are about helping others with their pets. But do you have any pets yourself, Vic? I think I've owned every pet that we've talked about. I did. I'll tell one one funny story. My my son found a stray cat. I think what happened is it got in a car and kind of the car drove away and just way we found it. So we found this this cat and it ended up being pregnant and it had kittens. But also my wife had a friend who had Chihuahua puppies. And the mother wasn't feeding it. So somehow they came up with this great plan to have this mother cat feed the chihuahuas. And I have one of those chihuahuas still and raised by cats. And yeah, so that, that's one funny story. But I've had everything. My daughter had rats when she was, was younger. Rats are actually very good pets. They're wonderful pets. Yes, so it, smart. Exactly. Fish tanks. I couldn't even go through all the animals I've had. I've had them all. So I'm curious, it sounds like you have instilled a love of animals in your children as well. Have they stayed in the industry? What do they do? They're not in the industry, but my, my daughter has a Boston Terrier. It's just part of, it's part of all of our family. When you go on vacation, when you do things, we all call each other and say, who's going to watch it? So here I'm at the trade show and my daughter's watching our, my dogs and they do not come over and feed them. They go to their house and stay there while we're gone. Nice. Thinking into the future, because we're talking about next generations 
And that's a big part of organizations. We want it to be sustainable, this industry to be sustainable. So what do you see into the future for pet product retail? What do you think is good and maybe something that we need to work on? So the big crystal ball, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think, uh, and I remember in any business, any industry's business kind of goes up and down. And there was a, and I can't remember exactly, say 10, 15, 20 years ago with electronics coming and phones, all those things that everybody thought that kids would be so involved in that and not be involved in pets, et cetera. And I think to a certain extent, that sort of started happening. But I think today, I think we're getting, everybody's getting back to their roots. Big cities have been around for a fair amount of time, but with the roots of the farm, and the animals and all those things. And I think it's really, I think the younger generation re really wants to go back to that and understand what it means to have that human animal bond, whether it's, again, whether it's a cat, whether it's a rat, whether it's a whatever. I really think that it makes us better humans to take care of animals and, and care for them, just the way I feel. Yes. As my 13 year old stepdaughter, yes, she likes her electronics, but she, uses the dog as a pillow while she's on the electronics. So they still do it together. So yes. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> still a big part of their of our lives for sure. So I know that helping people have access to pets and be able to keep their pets is really integral to your mission. But what else does WPA in a perfect world, what else would they hope to do for pet parents? The rules of how you do anything change over time. We get better at it. So again, we want to have the best information available to how to care for your animal. I think that's very important. Many people don't have access to pets. One of, one of the programs we do is called Pets in the Classroom, where we actually help teachers support them and get a, a, either a cage for a bird, a rat, or something like that, where, where, they, where kids can actually see what it's like to have and care for an animal. But I think when you talk about kids and teaching responsibility, having a live pet to help care for, I think is a, a valuable life lesson. So that we really support pets in the classroom to do that. It's sometimes frustrating when we talk about ordinances and laws, et cetera, that many communities don't allow to have a pet in the classroom, which makes no sense to me. So this is some of the things that happen that somebody makes a law that unintended consequence is that you're restricting a kid to know what it's like to have care for an animal. Absolutely. I know. And a lot of times it can also be that someone doesn't want to worry about having to take care of the animal over summer or what have you. But I know in my local community, they used to hatch chicks in the classroom and they, for some reason, stopped doing that. So it's my goal to reinstitute that because I've met so many people where they've never seen a chicken hatch, which 50, 100 years ago, I'm sure... Everyone, primarily in agricultural community, knew how chickens hatched. I think that's a great mission to support. Now, obviously, the larger the industry, the more money there is to invest in research. So with our dogs and our cats, there's a lot of ongoing research. There can always be more. There's always more things to learn and investigate. But is there any specific niche within the pet industry that you think needs like the most attention or the most work to benefit our pets? Nutrition is the foundation to everything. So I think learning, doing research, learning about nutrition, well, again, dogs get, get the bulk of that, but for all the animals, 
learning what's going to be make them the healthiest. I, I think there's always room for nutrition, just general care of animals and what's the best practice. Unfortunately, the reality is that best practice is probably over, always overused because if you ask a question of how to do this in the pet industry, you might get 10 different answers. Really doing the research and quantify really what the best practices are, I think is a, also a, a big mission of what we try to do. All the more reason for that education and <laughs> Exa Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's a circle, right? Yep. We, we do, we learn, we research, and then that changes how the circle goes around. Which I think the internet is going to be fantastic for that because I know back when I was a kid, fish like betta fish were kept in little tiny bowls without filtration or heaters. And I know I my family was guilty of doing that because we didn't know any better. And now there's a lot more education coming out about tiny little bowls are not suitable for these fish. While they can survive, it's not good for them. And so you really do need a five-gallon aquarium with filtration and a heater. And so I, I really feel like accessibility to this information is key, but also having that internet as a way to get it out is going to be make it a lot, the delivery a lot easier. Yeah, it's especially true with exotics. Sure, we can use a dog as a pillow and it all makes sense. <laughs> when we talk about some of these reptiles and how, what temperature they, they should be in, all of those things, there, there's a lot of animals out there. So there's plenty more research to do. Is there like a final piece of wisdom or encouragement that you have for the pet industry before we, we ask you a few final questions? For the industry, I just think we all need to work together. It's a very fragmented industry. We have very different needs for different categories. And we have to all understand how if we work together, we can get more accomplished and get to what our goals are. When I came in as president, that that was my goal is how do we get the industry to work together better? And, and it sounds so simple, but with all the different groups and all the different people and all the different animals, it's, it's challenging. And we need one message that's going out there for all animals and not segmented of what the aquatic wants or the reptile wants or the dog wants. It's just all of us together are, are really searching for the goal that we can figure out the best path forward. And I think together is the way to do that. Why do you think it matters so much to, to work together? The simple reason is because if we are all doing the same thing separately, we're duplicating work. We have very limited assets or that, that we can use to do the work we're doing. So if we're duplicating work, we're wasting our assets. So that's really why I think that way. I think this really resonates with me too. Working for BSM Partners, we're a consulting group and we do a little bit of everything in the industry. So we feel that having to work with every part of the industry to take somebody's vision and to make it a reality and make sure it's the best for the pet as well. So just for us, as we're a big part of this, we're very involved. What is something that maybe you feel that BSM Partners is doing well, but any encouragement that you have for us as we also work towards that mission? I think you guys being involved in what you're doing, you have a lot of knowledge and fig figuring out a way to share that knowledge, whether it's to brands or people at large, consumers. I think that that's what attract me, attracts me to what you guys do is you have a lot of information and a lot of knowledge, but it's always challenging to how to get that knowledge out there, how to get that information out there to where it'll be helpful. 
we're starting with the podcast, but we're all for jumping in and helping you out. So we're excited to even just get to talk to you, but also to continue to support you. Yeah, you guys are an amazing partner. Obviously, talked to the management team a few times, and I think that together we, we can get a lot of information out there and help each other, which I love that. Me too. Absolutely. We have a fun, some fun final questions for you. And I have heard that you like to travel a little bit. So do you have a fun travel story? Probably that we can't talk on the podcast. I'm, okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody thinks travel is glamorous. It's not so fun sitting in an airplane for 10 or 12 hours going around the world. But I do love to travel when I'm already at the venue that I'm going to. I've saw I've seen some amazing things. I think one of my favorite places was going to Vietnam and taking some of the little boats up up the small rivers, even the boats where they push it with a giant pole. And you're in nature, you can see fish swimming around underneath, and it's just a great feeling. When you're not working with WPA and working to connect all the different players in the pet industry, what do you and your family like to do for fun? Traveling so much and doing so much. Sometimes I just like to sit on a chair in my backyard. That <laughs> does. It's not so bad. We have a fair sized backyard and really just having friends over and hanging out. Maybe that's what life is all about, right? Hang, hanging out with friends. Outside of the pet industry or inside, <laughs> if you'd like, do you have any role models and why would you call them role models? Wow. Not any one person comes to mind, but I'm always watching and listening for attributes with from certain people. So I, I think my role model probably is multiple people from certain things that, that they have done or have taught me that I that created this non-real person that has mm -hmm. all those attributes and, you know, that I try to try to strive for. What are some of those attributes that you admire? For me, the attributes that are the things that I'm not good at. <laughs> so when I see somebody being, being a great public speaker, I say, man, I wish I could do that. And so really looking at attributes and trying to improve myself is really is really what I'm trying to do. What somebody's that's really good at something that I'm not good at, I'm gravitated towards that. Has there been someone in particular who has been very supportive for you, whether it's life or just a career as well? have to be my mom. Yeah. You know, going you know, all the things she's always supportive of anything I do. Of course, she was the one bringing me to the pet store when I was a kid. She just wants to know what I'm doing and, and supports anything I do. Absolutely. My mom. Moms are awesome. So we're, we talked a lot about making information accessible, but for you, how do you get continuing education? What do you watch and read and how do you learn? I like to think of myself as a giant sponge. So if I'm on a plane doing whatever, maybe it's the internet, maybe it's something I download and want to read. I try to read as much as I can and try to get every view, whether it's watching the news and that you like, but also watch the news you don't like and really just try to understand how other people think. It's, we talk about the iPhones and iPads and all those things. They are a good tool to learn and certainly look for information. So definitely reading. I love to go to seminars and it's really that that one tidbit of information that or way of looking at something. I it, I love doing that. And we are on our last day of Super Zoo. Is there anything 
that you have left to do once that show floor opens that you're going to be on a mission to go accomplish? Well, I, I get to be a male model with all the groomers. Um, we actually give for the final award in grooming uh, $10,000 uh, check. I always like to look at the fun things. It's the giant Happy Gilmore check. And so that's always fun to give away. And we have some other contests that are going on. So it's really a kind of crescendo of the events where we have some contests. And it's just fun to see how people doing what they love and having a contest and striving to win. It's, it's probably fun to be the person handing out the $10,000 check. It's absolutely fun. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time. It was lovely chatting with you today. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Industry Podcast, a BSM Partners production with editing by Cliff Dubinois. Your podcast team is me, Dr. Megan Sprinkle, and Whitney Russell. If you want to learn more about our family at BSM, please visit our website at bsmpartners.net. And please make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, tell a friend, and find us here next time. BSM Partners is the leading full-service pet care research, consulting, and strategy-to-shelf product innovation firm. BSM Partners collaborates with hundreds of clients, ranging from the largest companies to individual entrepreneurs, to provide both technical and business solutions. To learn more, go to www.bsmpartners.net.